Well, hello and welcome to another session of the Business of Craft Beer Blog Talk Radio Show. Uh, my name is Greg Dunkling, and I'll be today's host. This winter, we have an interesting series focused on partnership brewing. Perhaps the simplest definition for partnership brewing is small breweries joining forces with a state-of-the-art incubation brewery to expand their production and distribution without building an expensive, large brewery. It's a form of business collaboration that makes sense for some in today's beer world. In this series, we will hear directly from host partnership breweries, and we have several featured, as well as many smaller brewery owners to learn why this business model is taking hold. Uh, As the craft beer industry slows from double-digit annual growth to 6%, and as consumers shift their preference to local breweries, Partnership Brewing offers an alternative approach to both launching a new brewery and for existing breweries considering expanding into a new territory. Today we are pleased to have Tim Schoen, CEO of BrewHub, join us. BrewHub, uh, based in Lakeland, Florida, provides a 1,000-barrel brewery along with packaging, distribution, and other services for craft brands that are constrained by capacity, geography, or capital. Tim, welcome. Welcome. Thank you, Greg. Uh, just one correction. It's not a thousand barrel. It's actually, we can do a hundred thousand barrels. Oh, I meant to say a hundred thousand. That's right. And you have, <laughs> I think, expansion capacity to 200,000. That is correct. Okay. Sorry about that. Big difference. Don't worry. <clears throat> so in my intro, I offered a simple definition for partnership brewing. And as one of the pioneers in this space, I should ask you to provide a definition. Yeah, I I enjoyed your uh, top line because I think it uh, succinctly defines who we are and what we're trying to do, but I'll dig dig a little deeper. Uh, If you step back and think about the industry and where it's been and where it's going, uh, there's been contract brewing for years and years, and and the macros guys have been doing it, where the intersection of opportunity and innovation – met was probably about six, seven years ago when all levels of craft were at a meteoric rate and growing exponentially no matter if you were a national, nationally distributed craft beer or within one zip code and only doing draft. Um, our model really addresses a solution based on whatever level you are. And our brewery is built with the capacity and the scalability to, to take a, you know, for example, Cigar City, which was one of our first big partner brewers, and lay out a plan for them over a three-year period and scale them up and meet their demand, work with their distributors and key retailers in really crafting out what the brand standard stood for and what the opportunities were. And those were all kind of broad stroke metrics, but that's exactly what we did with them. And we're proud of the, the results. And, and many other partner brewers we have, uh, we've had in, and now we currently have as a roster. We're going to be talking to Andrew from Parrish here in a second. Uh, but all that is under the guise of the partner brewing. It, it isn't one thing. It's a lot of different things, but it is all based on what the partner brewer and his three-tier system 
needs to grow his or her business. Uh, that's great. Um, and, and Tim, uh, when did BrewHub get started and how many uh, breweries are currently working with you? We, uh, I wrote the business plan back in 2012. We built the brewery in 2013 and 14. We've been in, uh, in the business for about three and a half years now. Um, the, uh, the overall direction is we, are, we have the one brewery. We're opening a tap room here in St. Louis, which will enable us to open up the Midwest market. We currently have 16 partner brewers uh, within our portfolio, and Andrew is one of our newest ones. Um, our plan is to expand that uh, based on, you know, the geography and the demand of other partner brewers. We're we're constantly in in conversations trying to 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 find the right match for us. The other other thing I, I should certainly mention. Um, is that the 16 partner brewers is out of a over 300, at least 300 now and counting, um, introduction, discussions, negotiations. And uh, so it is a two-prong, it's, a, it's both ways. We're interviewing them and they're interviewing us. So the partnership truly does take that dynamic. Uh, we aren't just filling empty tanks. This is a customized business for our partners. When you when you mentioned you mentioned right match when you think of uh, the profile of a partner brewery for brew hub what what are some of the components what are you looking for to make that ideal match? Well, yeah, we have a pretty much defined process when we have our initial and our our ongoing discussions, but it really comes down to we we look at the vital signs. Of, of that craft brewery, so we will be asking questions like how big's your brewery, uh, what's your volume, what's your distribution footprint, what is your package mix, uh, and all those things tell us where they are on the life cycle. Okay, um, the obvious one to us is when you have a craft brewery that has a four-barrel system. They're doing so many barrels a year, so many in the tap room, and so many out in the marketplace with a local distributor, and they are in 50, they have 50 tap handles or whatever, whatever the diagnostics are. Each time we look at that and go, well, obviously they have two brands that are working, or whatever the case may be, and we assess it from that vantage point and say, what is your next step? You need more draft handles. You need to go to a package because right now you are not in the 80% of the business, which is off-premise. And, again, and that, that metric changes a little bit per state. Some, some states are stronger and on off-premise versus on-premise. So all those, all those things are kind of, of um, you know, really anal, analyzed on, a, on an individual basis. And then, we, you know, we have a very open discussion on where do you want to go, how many brands you want to, you want to look at what kind of package. Uh, we, we, of course, the other side of the business, which we really offer a lot of, of uh, advantage, and that is the procurement side. Uh, a lot of these folks are out trying to order cans, and they, you know, they have to, you know, put one-third of their, of their really limited space is filled with empty cans, and that's, that's not productive for them as well. So we've taken on 
the procurement side of the business um, to make sure that they're focusing on what they can do the best for, for building and innovating their brands. Great. Well, I hope we uh, can spend a little time talking about the wider range of services that you offer your partners uh, later in the show. But I do uh, do want to bring in one of your uh, partner breweries, Parish Brewing in Louisiana. I'd like to introduce uh, Andrew Godley, CEO of Parish, and thanks for joining us, Andrew. Thank you for having me, Greg. Uh, when did you begin uh, working with BrewHub and why? Uh, what, what business challenge were you looking to solve? Right. So, uh it's really uh, kind of in the infancy uh, stages of our relationship. We've only brewed maybe four or five uh, batches of beer with brew hub at this point, but it has been a, um, I mean, we've, we've physically been, you know, exchanging uh, beer and uh, business, you know, in the last couple of months. But I mean, Tim and I have been talking for a few years now. I think, uh, I think we talked back in 2014 uh, if I recall correctly, so it was quite a long time ago, uh, maybe maybe 2015 early, but it was it was a number of years ago when we first started kicking the tires on this concept and uh, interviewing uh, Brewhub and Tim was doing the same thing with us, um, and it 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 took a few years to get to the point where where we felt it was the right decision to move our business uh, with this kind of a model. Uh, the reason why we ultimately decided to do this is because of risk um the you know we can see the market changing we've been brewing beer since 2010 selling beer since 2010 and uh we've been growing and building and we've been very fortunate where parish has existed just in louisiana for eight years um We've, we've got a very, very dense market share here in Louisiana. So we didn't have to sell beer outside of Louisiana in order to get to close to 20,000 barrels of production, which we'll, we'll do about 20,000 barrels of production, maybe 18,000 barrels of production in our, our Louisiana facility here uh, this year in 2018. Um, uh, we, we've been, most breweries that exist outside of a major metropolitan area don't have that luxury. We've been very fortunate where the consumers like our products here, but looking, looking outside, you know, uh, who knows what kind of beer we're going to sell in Houston or who knows what kind of presence we're going to be able to have in Birmingham, Alabama, or, or even further away. I mean, where, where we don't have that, uh, that local relevance, that hyper local relevance, it's uh, it's hard to predict what kind of business we're going to have there, what kind of volume, what kind of money, what kind of revenue we're going to see. And if you don't really know what your beer volume is going to be like, how do you know what kind of brewery to build? How do you know Mm -hmm. where to invest capital? Uh, How Mm -hmm. do you, I mean, it's a very risky thing. I've seen several breweries. I'm not going to name any by name, but there's one in particular here that's local to us, a very large facility that invested $10 million in 2013 in a, uh, uh, a massive, I mean, they built this Crohn's bottling line and uh, the state-of-the-art brew house went in, you know, 200-barrel brew house. And, you know, this was a brewery that was doing uh, tons of volume. I mean, over 100,000 barrels of volume at that time and uh, in 2013. And after this investment went in, uh, every year they lost volume since then. And they now, this is, you know, four years later, almost five years later, uh, and they are down 20% from that point when they made that investment, down 20% mm-hmm. of their volume. 
And that is, that is super scary. That is anybody in the beer industry uh, that's paying attention is seeing these things happen for these larger regional breweries um, where their business is contracting rapidly as uh, the market's shifting. It's not just local breweries coming in and taking their place. I mean, there's, there's flagship fatigue. That's the term I've heard used. It's, you know, these flagship beers that used to be really strong in the market uh, they're getting replaced now with rotational new beers. It's the craft beer consumer constantly looking for whatever the latest and greatest new thing is. Uh, rotation nation, we call it here. Um, that that's uh, that that just creates a bunch of risk. That's all I see in the market right now is risk, and uh, being able to being able to grow, uh, utilizing the capacity of a very high quality facility uh, with people that we can work with people that are on our level as far as the kind of innovation and brewing quality that we want to hold our brands to. We find that with the folks at brew hub. Um, if I can utilize their, the relationship with brew hub to brew more beer and get beer into new markets and not have to invest $20 million without, you know, advanced knowledge of what's going to happen you know, five years from now, it's the right decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andrew, how does your brewmaster and brewing team, uh, how do they go about developing new recipes and how do they, you know, on brew day, um, are, are your brewers present at the brew hub facility in Lakeland uh, or do you rely on their staff to, to produce your, your products? It's, it's a hybrid of both. Um, uh-huh. We, uh, at, you know, I, I explain this to a lot of people uh, when they come to our actual facility and they see that my office is actually in a building next door to the brewery because we've expanded, you know, we've, we've, you know, we uh, took on a lease of the building next door in, a, in order to expand some office space here. But I, I explain to folks, it's exactly like our current brewery where, you know, I'm the owner of the company and, you know, the de facto brewmaster and I'm the one coming up with the recipes and deciding what these beers are, are supposed to be. And I, I mean, I work with my guys. I've got a wonderful team of guys here who collaborate on these, these things, but ultimately the buck stops with me on what we're going to brew and how we're going to brew it. And I am not actually brewing the beer. I'm sitting here at a desk at the building next door to the brewery and I get to walk over there and I get to work with the guys and, and see what's going on, but I'm not actually brewing the beer. You know, and that's exactly what's going on over in Lakeland. It's just a little bit further away. You know, I can I can talk to the guys and I can go fly over there and uh, any of my employees can go fly over there and talk to the folks and actually brew the beer and work with the guys in the brew house. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean we have to. Uh, it's just a, it's part of developing that relationship and uh, getting on the same page and developing a level of trust that things are going to be executed according to promises and, uh, you know, key metrics that we have for the beers and, we're, we're developing that right now, and so far so good. Uh, I've been uh, I've been present to br- help brew. Um, I think three out of the five brews that we've done at Brew Hub so far. Um, mm-hmm. Hopefully, I don't have to be there for sixty percent of the the brews, you know, over the long run because I don't have the time to travel back and forth to Lakeland constantly. But uh, but yeah, we're we're very involved in what's going on physically there, and uh, we're talking with. Uh, you know, the folks who are brewing the beer there uh, very frequently and talking and and taking pictures and with the internet. I mean, we can see and hear and communicate with every aspect of our beer 
as it's being made over there, just like they were next door in our own facility. I, I wanted Frank, to. I uh, yep. Sure, ahead. Can, can I interject one one thing? Is uh, yep. the description that Andrew gives is one of the mantras that we say early on in our discussions with these folks, and saying that our philosophy is this is your second brewery. So what he described is just that. Uh, the second piece that that is uh, on the technical side, we went and spent the money on the Siemens brow mat process which is what Andrew was referring to in the sense that all of the data points on his beer being brewed, fermented, transferred, all that data is available to him in a cloud, and he can access that anytime. So mm. those are all the, the things that we are doing in, in direct collaboration and, and with a seamless second brewery mentality. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tim, I wanted to follow up on on that and an earlier point you made. Uh, Brewhub has a state-of-the-art facility in Lakeland uh, and a range of support services. Could you speak to uh, what this investment offers a smaller partner brewery? Yeah, I mean, it's a myriad of things. Uh, we'll start with the production quality, our QA, QC, QC lab, and I think Andrew could uh, could vouch for us there that we spent a lot of money in that area, and that's an area where, as we built the strategy, we felt that uh, the biggest problem for smaller craft guys getting bigger, the uh, quality was going to be an issue if it wasn't monitored from the start. So we not only built a sizable, and, and what, what we went after was the best lab in the state of Florida uh, in craft, and uh, we think we've achieved that. And it's not, we didn't do that day one. We did that day one, but we continue to add new uh, pieces of equipment, adding, you know, making sure our, our uh, staff is all educated and trained appropriately. So that's one area of service uh, that's built into it. I mentioned procurement. Um, you, you know, we, do, we have uh, the 100 barrel brew house, which can do the scaling but we also have an eight-barrel pilot system, which we do a lot of testing um, of new brands, and it goes right into our tasting room, which we have a 3,000-square-foot tasting room, which is set up to, to not only, uh, you know, uh, accommodate you know, regular consumers coming in, but we do a fair amount of uh, what we'll call research cons uh, testing as well. It's not as diagnostic is what I used to do in my old job many years ago, but uh, we use the same tactics in learning and trying to get consumer feedback. So that's an area of, uh, of, of uh, demand and value. Then as you get beyond procurement, production, quality, then you start looking at, you know, consultation. And, and Andrew knows, you know, we, we want to talk about pricing. We want to talk about relationships with distributors we will glean any, any and all, all of uh, our advice uh, on what we've seen over my 30 years in the business. Uh, just so happens I know most of his distributors. <laughs> you know, uh, I've known them for years because you know, they're old buddies and, and colleagues and things. Um, but all that experience comes with, with uh, the brew up. Uh, we have, you know, everyone in, a, in their respective positions, uh, for the most part, have been – 
in the business in various capacities for years. So, so when you wrap that all together, it's uh, you know it really comes back down to what is our what is our single focus, and that is to grow Parish Brewing Company <clears throat> at the rate and speed that he wants to go, and and define it from there. Uh, great. Uh, Brew Hub, um, in addition to what you mentioned, also, as I understand, it has the capacity to house uh, a large quantity of grain and hops and ingredients uh, used in, in the brewing process. Um, how does this bulk purchasing benefit your partner breweries? Well, on the, on the packaging side, we have achieved what we think is a, is a sizable um, advantage on buying because right now we have over 16 partners and we're buying cans for on average anywhere from three to four brands for each partner and we end up buying anywhere from six to 12 months of inventory right out of the gate for each brand so do the quick math 16 times four we literally are buying millions and millions and buying and storing millions of cans uh, for all of our partners, so that that in of itself gives us scale and some efficiencies. Um, you know, glass and and, and uh, six pack carriers on the bottle side, we're only about 10% of our mix, so we don't have as much of a procurement advantage. On the ingredient side, uh, for some of the larger bulk ingredients, we do have some some procurement advantages, uh, but where we see uh, a challenge and an opportunity moving forward is the specialty hops. And that's where, you know, in this case, Andrew might have a contract for, you know, X, um, the specialty hop, and we will we'll use his contract and so forth. Uh, at some level in the future, we would want to try to do uh, more of co-op buying through that process through all of our partners. And we're just not there yet on the ingredient side at that level, but it will come. I mean, it's, it's the overall philosophy. If we have 25, 30, 40 partners and we are buying and, and procuring ingredients and packaging materials, then we will show advantage in the marketplace, not only from a pricing standpoint, but also when, when supply gets tight, we will have that leverage. Great. Uh, we're talking with Tim Schoen and Andrew Godley, CEOs of Brew Hub and Parish Brewing. Uh, the phone lines will be open, and you're welcome to give us a call, 929-477-1757, to join the conversation. Uh, we have a guest. Uh, do you have a question for us? If you have a question, please uh, jump in with it. Okay, hearing none, uh, let, let's continue. Um, can you, uh, both of you, Andrew and Tim, uh, describe uh, the pricing model at BrewHub and how it works for your 16 partner breweries? Well, I'll, I'll jump in first, Andrew, and you, uh, uh, we can give sure. your poll uh, here. But, you know, as you can imagine, contract brewing and what's been out there for now decades um, – it's always a challenge for me because we'll get a lot of people just calling in going, how much for a case of beer, you know? <laughs> and my, my patent response is um, 
we want to we want to talk to you and find out exactly who you are, what you're doing, and and through basically a cost plus analysis, we will then give you a finished goods price. Now that's another key differentiator here, um, in that we want to be able to give our partner brewers uh, a finished goods price so they can know exactly. What is, you know, there's no variability on a month-to-month, day-to-day, week-to-week, which happens in brewing and which happens on contract brewing because they have fixed costs, variable costs, and, and so each each batch and that, um, you know, are different invoices and same things. The whole strategy was I want to give this kind of, I want to give this partner brewer a definitive planning tool that he's going to buy that case of beer or keg it from us, finish goods, and he's going to sell it for for X and his net profit he can take to the bank and hopefully utilize those dollars to go develop new brands, put more marketing dollars in and really build his brand. Uh, the other thing is we, we also, we brew a hundred barrel batch. If we, you know, if the yield isn't as good, there's no penalty there. And, and that's not the case in other situations. So if we only yield 80 barrels of that hundred, He's only paying for 80 barrels. So again, it's it's uh, we did that. We we wanted to take that risk. Uh, you know, we think we're good enough to do that. Uh, so the pricing is based on those metrics. And um, the other thing I should say is we get this all the time. The, uh, we'll get in we'll get in the recipes for four of their core, you know, three or four of their core beers. And always we'll find that, you know, there's discrepancies on the recipe. Uh, there's some uh, opportunity uh, to collaborate and get, get better and more efficient um, as, you, as you go from a, whatever their system is to our 100-barrel system. So all that is just, you know, very transparent, open discussion to keep the, the brand essence but be smarter and more efficient as as we uh, look at recipes and hit the mark, if you will, on the taste profile uh, to get that that brand in in a package and out to the marketplace. I'll, I'll also add something that's uh, important from a brewery's perspective with these uh, this type of business relationship that we have uh, a defined uh, price with. Uh, brew hub and uh, you know I'm sure you could have this with any kind of a contract brewing relationship for the most part and uh, with the details that Tim just elaborated on but it is very nice for a small brewery to plan for the future uh, with a very defined margin where we know exactly what the margin is on the beer that we're going to sell it to our wholesaler uh, for we know we've paid uh, total to get it produced and it's uh, most breweries don't really know how much their beer costs. I mean, they, most of them have no idea. Even even substantially sized breweries, you'd be surprised. You could talk to some of these folks and dig into, you know, trying to figure out how much does that beer in that six pack or that case or that keg, how much did it really cost them? What's exactly their margin on it? They don't know. Um, it's uh, it's a very nice thing for us to have uh, to be able to plan. Uh, investments to be able to plan with a very defined margin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andrew, I wanted to uh, 
you, you mentioned earlier it might have been a hypothetical expansion to new markets. Um, your Brew Hub uh, partnership offers brewing capacity, uh, enabling you to do this uh, without, you know, allocating capital to new equipment. Uh, speak to how this enables you to focus on and allocate resources for branding, marketing, and sales as you enter a new market. Well, it's sort of the 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 relationship, the advantage to the relationship is sort of twofold. The first is that we don't have to um, tie up a bunch of capital. You know, that one of the hardest things that uh, about growing is trying to find capital or trying to find capital that's affordable. You know, anybody can go borrow a bunch of money at a really high interest rate, but then you could potentially destroy your business with the, the cost of the debt. Um, so that's, that's the big thing is we can grow without destroying our crippling our business, you know, with debt and interest on debt um, uh, or some other, the cost of some other form of financing, but we can invest that extra money that, that defined margin that I just mentioned, you know, we know, you know, if I sell 10,000 extra barrels of beer to this market and I know exactly what my margin is on that product that I've produced at BrewHub, it enables me to say, okay, I can afford exactly, you know, two sales reps or whatever that is, or I can afford to, you know, have this kind of marketing spend or X amount of dollars on, you know, promotions or whatever the, the case may be. It's it, The budgeting process for operating in a market becomes much more simple and I have much more confidence to be able to invest that money and grow our brands. The second big advantage is that we've got um, we've got the ability to make as much or as little. I mean, uh, you know, Tim and BrewHub, they, there is a process where we uh, we forecast um, uh, what we what we want to make. But you know, at the end of the day. Um, BrewHub, just like us, has an interest in selling a lot of beer. And if we get orders for more beer, let's say that we, you know, uh, do wonderfully in our market uh, and we have the ability to sell more beer, BrewHub is committed to to brew more beer for us, whether it's them expanding their uh, capacity there over a long run or whether it's, you know, trying to do their best to to make as much of our beer as possible within reason uh, with as much advance notice as possible. So, you know, we, uh, you know, adding adding tanks and adding uh, buildings and adding brewing capacity not only is very expensive, but it takes a lot of time. You know, with BrewHub putting in, an, you know, another, let's say, 300 barrel fermenter for them is uh, that's a ton of volume. That would be like adding another 50 percent onto my brewery here. For them, it's just one more tank that goes into the cellar, uh, just to put it in perspective. So growing for BrewHub is a is an easier. Uh, possibly more quick um, prospect than it is uh, for us at our own facility. So we can um, we can put the pedal to the metal. We can try and sell a lot of beer. We can be aggressive out in the market. We can try and you know tackle big things, which is uh, something that we've been shy to do in the past. Because one of the issues that we're afraid of, let's say uh, we want to enter a big market like Texas. You know, Texas is Houston, giant city, third largest city in the United States. It is uh, three hours to the west of us from our brewery. When I have a beer release at our brewery, we get hundreds of people from Texas coming over, mostly from Houston, to come and buy the beer. We know that we're going to be able to sell a lot of beer in Houston. Worst, uh, this is crazy to say, but the worst case scenario is we go to Houston and like we can't supply the market and we can't keep up with what's going on. We can't actually execute in the market. That's bad for our distributors. 
It's bad for the retailers that are there. It's bad for our brand building with those, those consumers that are trying to, you know, support us and buy our beers. Like we, if you're going to, if you're going to go and tackle a potentially big, ambitious growth project for your, for your business, um, it's nice to have the resources, the horsepower of something like BrewHub available. That's a, a big thing for us. Andrew, you mentioned your, your – yeah, yeah okay, go ahead, Tim. Yeah, I just wanted to add on top of what, what uh, Andrew's saying is that uh, he mentioned a, a forecasting. We have a really regimented process with our partner brewers, with a team on our side, which we're constantly looking at. Uh, for the most part, uh, there's a service out there called v- a VIP system, which a lot of the distributors use and or whatever data points they have. But that's really the key to this. Uh, in our agreements, we, we, we do something very different. We tell Andrew for first year of our agreement, uh, let's all mutually agree upon what, we're minim- what your minimum target is and what your maximum. So we give you a 50% growth, growth uh, window within the contract. But we tell them flat out that, if you have if you can if you have opportunities to go bigger in within that first year and, and then we reset the bar at year two year three, uh, all all it takes is great planning and as Andrew was talking about is if if he is going to go in Texas which we haven't had that discussion and we're planning for that and as long mm-hmm. as that is in the cycle we can plan accordingly on what we will have for Andrew to make sure that, again, have him go do all the things that he just mentioned, looking at new markets, uh, going into distributors, talking to big chain accounts. That's where he should be spending his time. We will help him scale, and all it takes is discipline and planning, and we can make it happen. Mm-hmm. I, I was going to say, but I didn't get an opportunity to consult with Tim on his uh, – on his slogan for BrewHub when they opened, I think their actual slogan is something like uh, "Where craft brewers go to grow." I, I would have I would have called it um, "Capacity on Tap." <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Andrew, you mentioned your 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 physical brewery in Louisiana. In your view, how important is it for a brewery to have its own physical presence and brewing team before working in a partnership brewing arrangement? Oh man, I mean it's critical. I mean you're you're basically describing the difference between having a a brick and mortar operation um with, you know, a personality uh uh that you know, that has beers that are a reflection of a company um with a soul versus just creating something out of thin air that's an imaginary brewery that doesn't really exist as a brick and mortar. Um you know that some 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 companies have been successful by you know uh, starting out without you know a um, uh, I guess sort of an incubation of a uh, brick and mortar idea or a concept or something that has a home base or a relevance in a market whether it's a brew pub or an actual brewery um, some people have been successful with that but it's not I, I think that's more the exception than the rule I, at least recently. Uh, today, I mean, consumers are picky. Consumers, consumers want to know who's brewing their beer. They want to know, uh, who they're supporting. They want to be able to visit the brewery and talk to the people that are innovating and selling products to them. And, um, they want to participate in those breweries. 
And I think it's very important for us to have, um, for any business, to have a strong, um, uh, a strong brick-and-mortar company, uh, brewery, uh, before uh, looking to branch out. I'm sure that Tim has some, some clients that they work with, some partners that they work with that, that, that don't have that strong brick-and-mortar presence yet, and maybe they're planning to do it, or maybe they, they will never. But um, if I had to bet money, I would say that the probability of success is much higher um, for a brand if you have uh, if you have a unique personality and a u- unique soul to that brand, and it helps to have a brick-and-mortar um, presence to, to do that. Uh, Tim, I, 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 let's – uh, go, ahead. go ahead, Tim. You, what's your uh, uh, your 15 other with, partners? What, what's their view? Yeah, I would concur with uh, uh, Andrew's point of view, and, and especially now, uh, as the mm. national and regional craft breweries and brands are getting what uh, Andrew referenced as flagship fatigue, the, uh, the uber local um, brewers and breweries are getting much more attention and demand. Therefore, the roots must be real and defined. And there are some exceptions to the rule. Um, and I have one uh, one that, that would be that, but this guy's been doing it for over 10 years, and he's built his own um, his own roots. And Brew Hub is his is his uh, is really his foundation now. So he kind of uses it, and, and I won't use his name, but he's doing quite well. Uh, but with the other guy, everyone else, uh, for the most part, all have to have or have some sort of brick and mortar to, to really provide the brand, the foundation, and the experiential, um, you know, uh, exposure, if you will, to consumers. And that that is even more magnified by the power of social media these days uh, and some of the mm-hmm. – some of the specific um, ways to communicate when you're in a uh, brewery, uh, Red Beer, if it comes to mind, those, those kind of outlets on social media really are the new way to, to communicate what you're doing and who you're drinking and who you're drinking with and all those things. And that's become an important component of brand building. Yeah. Uh, Tim, going back to sort of a 40,000-foot view of the beer industry today, uh, I understand BrewHub had plans to spend uh, upwards of $100 million to build five new contract brewing facilities throughout the U.S., uh, yet BrewHub hit the pause button. Why? Well, it's, uh, it's like it. Similar to what Andrew talked about is it's, it was risk. Uh, we we were well along uh, on the second build out of, this, of a brewery here in the Midwest, and the market started to shift, and it made it made no sense to go put another 20 million plus in a in a facility when we still had another 50 percent growth of of capacity in the Lakeland facility. So we pivoted, and we are going to open up next Wednesday, as a matter of fact, uh, St. Louis or Midwest market with a tap room, which we're going to uh, bring a lot of our partners up there and, and kind of showcase them in this facility. It's going to mimic or look similar to our 
tasting room in Florida, so there will be some you know, some consistency in branding and things like that. Uh, it just won't have a 75,000-square-foot brewery attached to it. And, oh, by the way, it's going to be in a much more uh, retail, consumer-friendly location opposed to uh, the brewery in Lakeland is little much, well, certainly not in a high retail environment. It's, uh, it's in a uh, throughout the highway and in a uh, light industrial uh, park. So, so the strategy here is to, to uh, continue to expand our services and outreach. Uh, we might be incurring a little more freight moving beer around, but once we uh, exhaust the capacity in Florida, then we'll push the button on another production brewery, either in the Midwest, the Northwest, Northeast, wherever it might be, now, the other Texas. big shift here, Greg, and I'll be frank, is I don't think I'm going to build another brand-new brewery. It, it makes no sense uh, on the economic side because, unfortunately or fortunately, whichever way you look at it, there are some really nice breweries that are going to be able to – that I have uh, a potential ability to either merge or acquire and mm-hmm. convert to brew up. And that's the mm-hmm. reality at least from my lens. Yeah. Uh, Andrew, did you want to uh, jump in? Well, I was going to say that, uh, you know, from our point of view, it's uh, we are, we intend to sell a lot of beer so much so that brew hub is forced to look at building facilities to support our markets. You know, that's <laughs> our goal. Uh, yeah. And I, that, that's what Tim, that's what Tim would like to do as well. Even though he didn't quite put it in those terms, that's kind of, they they want to they want to you know be a source of capacity for their partners that uh, are growing and need that capacity whether it's adding a new partner in a new region or whether it's an existing partner growing sales in a in a new region they are uh, going to try and support that that's where they make money that's that's a that's their the core of their business yeah. Well, it, it's a, a great example of, uh, you know, the industry is known for its collaboration, but this takes it to another level. And, you know, you keep talking about risk, but uh, it's, not, it's not as though you as a small brewery in Louisiana have to take on all that risk. You're, you're distributing across uh, uh, partners that are, um, you know, working with obviously knowledgeable people who've been in the industry for a long time, can ask the right questions can understand uh, today's uh, industry in a way that perhaps somebody just entering uh, for the first time maybe maybe gets overly excited about their prospects and makes some uh, not so not so excellent business decisions. Um, well, uh, this has been an excellent discussion. Unfortunately, we're out of time. I'd like to thank uh, Tim Schoen, CEO of Brewhub, and Andrew Godley, CEO of Parish Brewing, for joining today's show. Uh, thanks, Tim and Andrew. My thank, pleasure. Thank you, Greg. Uh, as mentioned uh, at the outset of today's show, upcoming podcasts will feature a series on partnership brewing uh, with guests from the Guild in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, uh, Stony Creek Brewery in Brantford, Connecticut, along with their member breweries. And uh, thanks for, uh, and see you on our next podcast. Um, next show is scheduled for Wednesday, February 28th at 12 noon. Thanks again. And uh, until our next podcast.